Hi, everybody, and welcome to A Land Called Homily. My name's David, and this is my podcast. I'm an Episcopal priest serving a beautiful little parish on the Gulf Coast of Alabama called St. Paul's Chapel. These are my weekly talks from our worship service, so I hope they can be of some help to you. Take what you can use and discard the rest. If you're interested in more of my content or if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can visit my website at davidchatel.com. Thanks for listening. Lent begins in the wilderness. Life was pretty different for people in first century Mediterranean culture, different than it is for us for sure. One of the most stark differences from the way we live had to do with how close and present the danger of the wilderness was to them. Safety was always in the towns and the cities. Predictability was in the villages and in the settlements. But as soon as you left those places, which are far smaller than we're used to, the vast majority of land was wilderness. And in the wilderness, anything could happen. It was lawless. Mysterious, dangerous, mystical place that was always associated with challenge and struggle, both physically and spiritually. The wilderness would push you to your limits and test your resolve. It's not insignificant that Jesus chose his place of baptism to be in the wilderness with John in the Jordan. The author Mark ends the story of Jesus' baptism with this. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. Instead of going back to the safety of Jerusalem, he was driven within himself by Spirit, mystically compelled deeper into the wilderness. For 40 days, the Gospels tell us Jesus experienced this wild odyssey, this vision quest in the most challenging and mysterious environment possible. It's no stretch to say that the Jesus movement began in the wilderness. Jesus was tempted, tested in the whole of his being, and the challenge was heavy. He had to struggle to hold on to his identity, the root of who he was. The revelation he had received at baptism, that he was the beloved child of God, the essence of the universe, united in intimacy with divinity forever. And his place of struggle and realization would be the wilderness. Now, you and I live in a time of urban sprawl, and it doesn't look to let up anytime soon, does it? You can really see this in the northeastern part of the country. Cities and towns that used to be separated by miles and miles of countryside are now separated by miles and miles of neighborhood, as far as the eye can see. And to a degree, it even happens in our neck of the woods, Modern cities, at least the cities that we're used to, are gargantuan compared to average first century cities and towns. You and I are so entrenched in 
the modern conveniences of our lives that we hardly ever really truly experience wilderness culture anymore. One of the indicators of how insulated we are is that some people actually take vacations to go primitive camping or hike the Appalachian Trail just to get back to that sense of of wilderness where it's just you and the elements. I suppose it's in our blood as humans. Here's a staggering statistic for you. I love statistics. (laughs) For the vast majority of our experience on Earth, 99% of our human experience, we have been firmly rooted and located in the wilderness. The wilderness was all there was for millions upon millions upon millions of years. There was no choice but to be at home in the wilderness. And believe it or not, it was only 12,000 years ago Just yesterday, anthropologically speaking, that we started to organize ourselves into agrarian societies. We slowly began this shift from hunter-gatherers and we became farmers. And from that point on, there was this strange separation that occurred between us and the wilderness. It would grow to become an embedded part of the human experience. Agrarian society eventually led to land ownership, which led to changing understandings about human relationships. Humans started to identify social groupings a lot more strictly and definitively. Tribe and village was giving way to structured individual families and inheritance. Meanwhile, the wilderness was ever lurking at the edge of society, growing more mysterious and foreboding the further we insulated ourselves from it. Eventually, we walled our cities and organized our societies around kings and queens and lords. The wilderness had gone from where we were from to something we needed to be protected from. Fast forward to the Age of Enlightenment and into the first Industrial Revolution, we moved even further away from our wild origins and even from the land to a degree as we took steps to evolve into an industrial society, an information society. The family unit continued to shrink and we began to spend more and more and more time making money to provide a lifestyle that we had less and less and less time to enjoy. If we look at the story of Jesus being driven into the wilderness from our modern way of thinking about wilderness, it's possible that we would miss something really important. What if Jesus was driven into the wilderness just after his baptism, just after he was given this message of divine love and acceptance because the wilderness is where life really happens? Jesus and John the Baptist, among others, were these radical outliers of their day. They existed sort of at the fringes of Jewish society, both physically and philosophically. You might say they were more comfortable in the wilderness than they were with the status quo. What if Jesus didn't necessarily go into the wilderness just to be tempted, but 
to reconnect with something that was a deep part of his and our humanity. What we now call vision quests, which we most commonly associate with indigenous Native American culture, have been practiced by societies around the globe for thousands of years. Spiritual journeys, usually into the wilderness, to find wisdom and direction and to experience an authentic and profound connection and encounter with God. They were often seen as rites of passage that marked important milestones in the lives of those brave enough to take the journey back to source, back to intimate connection. And I think this may very well have been what happened to Jesus in the wilderness. The Spirit drove him into nature, into an experience that was outside of the confines of a man-made world where he was challenged to see himself not as endangered by or threatened by the wilderness, but reconnected to it, a part of it, working in tandem with nature to experience God and receive direction in his life. So where in the world does this leave us? (laughs) At my previous parish in Bruton, Alabama, there were a lot of hunters and avid outdoors people, folks who loved to work in their gardens. And nearly every week I would meet someone who would apologize profusely for not coming to church more often because they were in the woods. And then they would proceed to tell me how close and how connected they felt to God when they were in the woods. I would hear them say things like, I have church in my tree stand. Or I feel God in my garden when I'm getting my hands dirty. And as much as I could, I would try to reassure them that their experience of God in nature was every bit as legitimate and powerful as what could be experienced in any church building. Because all of life is sacred. All of life is full of the glory of God. And connection to the the divine is particularly powerful and present in the wilderness. The truth is that we all find ourselves in some form of wilderness eventually. Modern people more often experience a wilderness of the soul. That inner portion of our experience that's so hard to give words to. The swirlings of spirit that come and go that to a large degree, we learn to set aside and write off as maybe superstition or over-emotionalism. But I think we can find a good bit of comfort in this story that comes with the understanding that the wilderness in our souls, like the wilderness in nature, is where life really happens. It's where we can find our identity if we're brave enough to journey. Our modern sensibilities after the age of enlightenment with all its wonderful and necessary advances have brought us to a place of distrust of our own inward and mysterious landscape, but it doesn't have to be that way. 
Just as we have tended as a society towards insulating ourselves from the danger of the wilderness outside, we also tend to insulate ourselves from what we perceive as danger from the wilderness and intimacy of our spirits. Have we forgotten that our true identity, our true selves, our true home is found in that inner experience of wilderness? That spirituality is the birthright of every human being. And even when we encounter pain and suffering on that way, the truth of who we are is forged in the mystery of our inner wilderness connection with God. So how do we get back there? How do we embrace our lives as a vision quest and not as an endless string of events designed to tear us down until there's nothing left? How do we tear down the presupposition that in our churches everything has to look and seem put together with all the answers found and all the T's crossed and the I's dotted while inside of us rages this beautiful mess. We hang on for dear life, careening towards undefined but hopeful possibilities. I wish our churches looked more like that. At the very least today, take comfort in the idea that we don't have to protect ourselves from what lies in the wilderness of our souls. It's there that we can find our true home. It's there that we experience the eternal embrace of God, the ground of our being, wild, untamed, beautiful, beyond imagination. If we are home anywhere, it's in the wilderness.